was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The Gospel of John chapter 1 verses 9 through 13 and coming at you from the great state of Texas. Texas. The Theology Nerds are back with another edition of Bridge Radio. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, y'all. Welcome to today's edition of Bridge Radio. We are the Christian podcast that brings on the world's top Christian apologists, theologians, and scholars to talk with them about their books and uh, also to engage in the topics of, you know, Christian living, eschatology, baptism, theology, and, and all that good stuff. But for the month of February, we're actually going to be kind of switching it up. We're going to be bringing on guests to talk about their testimony, their journey of God calling them to saving faith. That doesn't always look like one thing. Uh, all of us have our different journeys. I do. Abe does, who's across from me. How's it going, brother? I'm doing great. And Steve has a different journey. How's it going? I'm doing well. That's the president of the ministry. And all of us have a different journey of coming to saving faith in Christ. And so... Um, testimonies play a role in uh in sort of evangelism i've, I've always been uh, encouraged by testimonies that i've read i just read actually i think it's john newton um his testimony of when his uh i think he was on a ship mm-hmm. uh and it you know he, he was a he was a sailor i believe and everything was spiraling into chaos. He thought he was going to die, and he ended up praying. And some of the scripture that he actually remembered, simply by just remembering scripture, uh, brought him to saving faith. And reading in that testimony was absolutely just, it was just interesting. I, I, I highly recommend for, for people to go check out something like that. But I'm your host, Julio Rodriguez, as always. And today we got an excellent program for you. Uh, if you're new to the program, please subscribe. You can tune in to all of our past and present weekly podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Android, Windows, and through our Bridge app. Please download that. Not only can you listen to Bridge Radio, but you can also find a lot of good theological goodness. Uh, We have expository sermon series through books of the New Testament. We're actually trying to build up that library, so please go check that out. Simply type in Bridge Ministries uh, in the App Store. You'll see our logo, name, slogan, which is Coffee and Good News, and hit the download and check that out. Um, also, last podcast, we announced that we are giving away Sinclair Ferguson's Sermon on the Mount 12 23-minute messages. It's uh, two DVDs, and it's by Ligonier. Good stuff. Anything by Ligonier is absolutely excellent yeah. and i highly recommend it um so yeah the the way you could win that drop a positive review on itunes uh and email me at juliobridgemin at gmail.com first one to do so no one's done it yet so i'm very surprised um i think maybe people think that someone already got it but no yeah. it's still available so please go please for, for the first one that's yours and then we got some other stuff uh by jc riles and john piper i have up there that, that i got from g3 to give away um also uh please like us on facebook and instagram right now we're having a goal of hitting 5,000 likes on facebook and instagram you can find us at bridgeman laredo that's our uh social media tag and please like us help us hit that goal so yeah anyway. I, hope, I hope somebody grabbed this i mean uh 
I'm just looking at the back of this. Uh, some just great topics here on Sinclair Ferguson on Sermon on the Mount. Um, he touches on uh, um, knowing God as Father, the Lord's Prayer, the cure for anxiety. Some just very good, good things in here. Yeah, we highly recommend Ligonier. Sinclair right, Salad. Yeah. yeah, he is. He is. I love I his did, accent. Yeah, his <laughs> accent is it makes it worthwhile just listening to it. I, I want him purpose. to narrate my life. It <laughs> <laughs> might be boring. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I I digress. Um, well, today, uh, like I said at the beginning of the program, we're going to be having a series of guests on to talk about their testimony. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was at G three. I was uh, in the lobby. I needed to finish writing a paper for seminary on my church history class. And I said, you know what? I've listened to, you know, about 12 sermons <laughs> already. Mm-hmm. So That's I'm going to awesome. go ahead and go to the lobby and finish typing what you know little I have left of this. And I'm trying to find an outlet. And I walk into one outlet. And I'm like, nah, for some reason, I didn't like that outlet. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was. It was completely open. I could have <laughs> used it. But uh, I ended up walking to another one. And the person who is standing there is the guest that we have on today. His name is Josh Arnold, um, Joshua Arnold. And I uh, sat next to him. And uh, I just said, hey, man, can I borrow this outlet? Sure. And uh, I went ahead and plugged it in. And then he said, hey, uh, what's your name? And from there, we just kind of kicked it off and started talking. And, awesome. and I was really blessed by him we had another uh individual come in and and you know come in into our conversation and uh he was sharing a little bit of his testimony and i said hey I, I want you to come on the program i think i think your testimony would be absolutely powerful so uh everyone uh this is his first time on the program obviously but i just want to introduce to everyone here joshua arnold thank you for coming on hey. the bridge radio brother yeah it's my pleasure it really is and it's great god's providence <laughs> that's right yeah yeah so h- how did you like g3 uh i really loved it i to be honest i spent a lot of time in the books and i i think i only really watched one full sermon in person uh i was there alone and somebody uh, graciously donated the money for me to even go hmm. and so i ended up there and so all of this that's just happening right now is i mean and any any stumbling block in my way was removed from going to G3. I, I couldn't have missed it for anything because <laughs> wow. I, was, I was being provided for everything. And so I ended up going there, but I did enjoy it. I watched some sermons on the, the, the screen, but I, I spent a lot of time on the books and, and really enjoyed conversations with people. Yeah. So yeah, so that was, it was really nice. I, I really enjoyed it. What's the biggest thing that you got out of the conference? Biggest thing? Well, I honestly... I don't know, just the fellowship with, mm. with some brothers and sisters. I got to talk to a lot of people, and a lot of people encouraged me and came up and talked to me and thanked me for what I do. And, and I was so glad because you don't realize how many people you reach and, and how excited they really are and the, and the joy on their face. So it's really nice. And I would say out of the sermons, obviously the only one I watched in full was Paul Washer. It was very convicting, mm-hmm. and I, I've carried some things back from that and and just the conversations i really had with people was was very enjoyable yeah cool yeah just just to give some people a picture so there's like the sermon area where all the sermons take place and there's another area where there's just a bunch of books and a bunch of uh booths as well and so you could just go around talking to brothers and sisters all day and going looking around books and then in that <laughs> same area they have a big monitor where you could listen to the sermons there and they have tables and you could just talk with people i talked with you know quite a couple of people obviously josh as well so um so yeah we're um we're, we're bringing him on the program to talk about his testimony so 
Um, Josh, John Piper has a quote that Steve shared with me quite a while back, and I said, wow, this is that's a very powerful uh, quote. It's very similar to me, and, and, and John Piper said, I know that I am saved the same way I know that I was born, not because I remember my birth, but because I know I am breathing. Uh, do you find your conversion similar uh, to Piper? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely do. I, I see it in in the change in my inclinations, in my affections, uh, a new principle of life, of spiritual life in me, desiring things that I never desired before and hating things that I've never hated mm-hmm. before and, and, and having a struggle within that I never knew before. Mm-hmm. So there's uh, many signs of life. And, and yeah, so I can really relate to that. And I think it's, it's greatly worded. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just to, um, on the topic of what, what do you actually do? Because you, you met a lot of people at G3 and you just mentioned it right now. Uh, what exactly do you do that kind of gave you that, that, uh, for people to know who you are at the, at the conference? Well, I, I just started using my Facebook. Well, a couple of years ago when I, when I converted, I, I couldn't, you know, shut my mouth about Jesus. So, I've always just used my Facebook for edifying the body or just speaking about Christ, either evangelizing or, or looking to edify the body of Christ. And it was nearly a year ago I changed my Facebook, and I decided I was going to make a new one because I had so many other friends, and so I'll, I'll touch on that later. But eventually uh, I decided that I'd use my Facebook strictly for the edification of the body and the glorification of Jesus Christ. And so I, I really committed to that with that in mind. And then the Lord blessed it and has brought a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people really enjoy these polls that I do. And so it, it's really nice. It, it, I, I look to make my page to have a feel of that it's not just mine, but it's everyone else's and everybody can learn. So that, that was basically what people were coming up and really thanking me for and just being glad for how the Lord is apparently using me, and it was very encouraging. Right, right, yeah. Because when we were talking, we had an individual, uh, a lady, come up, and you're like, you're, you're Joshua Arnold, right? And I was just like, okay, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what that was all about. So I was just like, we just yeah. met right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it was really nice. I mean, so apparently, I mean, it's turned into a pretty, a serious thing that I do. I take it very seriously. Uh, I look to use my social media for the glorification of Jesus Christ and for the edification of the body. And and I, I arrange everything for it. And I really think that people should take it serious because we spend a lot of time, at least I do. I knew that I did. And I used to be one of those people where it would exhaust me and then I would have to take a break. But then I decided that I would set it up and I would only cater to believers because mostly what I was talking about was for believers. It wasn't really evangelism. And I do evangelism apart from social media. And so I figured I will just speak on things for the body. And then, so I went there and it's just been a a great blessing and it's a real joy for me. Do you believe that this, that's the, our, our day and age battleground in evangelism with social media, with everything? I mean, we're always on it. And I, I'm, you're defending the faith on there and mm-hmm. proclaiming the gospel. And I'm sure there's, you get a lot of backlashes from trollers, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I do. And uh, I think a lot of people do. I think anyone that is – anyone who is spoken too much and, and if their page or the page is engaged often, 
and they have pretty bold views are yeah there's definitely some trolling and there's definitely uh some backlash and but i wouldn't i I don't know i really think that so much can improve i think that i I mean anyone who's really been to a page on social media and seen the comment section is it's very discouraging sometimes when you see the way that all of us can really behave and I know I've been there, but I really try to make it a name to carry myself in a manner that's worthy of the gospel. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I think there there is a lot that goes on. So, mm-hmm. but I, I, yeah, it would be that that would be be something that I would consider a, a sort of a battlefield, depending. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little bit of your history and tell us, you know, kind of how you grew up and and uh, how you came to faith in Christ? Yeah, absolutely. I grew up in upstate New York. When I was when I was really young, I don't know where I heard it from or or how, but I I had I, I believe that there was a heaven and I believe that there was a hell. Mm-hmm. I I was under the impression that eternity that that we have that we're eternal or at least that mm-hmm. I have a soul and we're going to reside you know somewhere mm-hmm. for eternity. And I'm not sure if I was ta- taught it. I'm sure I was, but all I know is that it was something that I I. I really thought about, I thought about it often. And I remember, I, I don't know, maybe I was in third or fourth grade and I'm at my grandfather's house and I was shaking the eight ball, you know, those little eight balls oh, yeah. that you uh-huh. shake and it gives you the answer. And, and I was, I was <laughs> I just alone in the room and I'm, yeah, I'm just, I was just alone in the room and I'm asking it if I'm going to go to hell. Hmm. And, uh, and then it said, yes. And so I was very frightened, you know, I believed it cause I'm a little kid. Wow. And, and, and so I believe it, but I understood that much. And I did, I, I did believe in something of that sort, but I didn't grow up in uh, a Christian home. Um, I didn't really hear much of, about God, but around probably fourth or fifth grade, uh, my cousin died. Uh, he was, he was very young. I think he was about 18 or 19 years old when he died. He, he died of cancer. And up until that point, I, I just assumed that everybody lived to be very, very old and you died when you were old. Mm. And so I didn't realize that you can die when you're young. And when he died when he was young, it, it, it really traumatized me. And for a long time, I was very paranoid about getting cancer and, mm. and all these things. And it would really affect me. But after that moment, I had a, a, a deep sense of death. Mm. And I, I, I thought about it a lot and I feared it a lot. And it always made me question, you know, what's going to happen, what's going on. And uh, when I got a little bit older, uh, I, I did start to harden toward the idea of even a heaven or a hell hmm. or anything like that. But, yeah, so when I was growing up, it was it was something that was always on my mind. Sure. And so I definitely around ninth grade, I remember sitting in a pizza shop after a football game. And this one kid told me about God, that God exists. And I told him, no, you know, God doesn't exist. When you die, everything's black and it's nothing. And he never disagreed with me about anything before. But he was very, very bold in mm-hmm. telling me, you know, that I was wrong. He told it to, right to my face. And he, he was, I was a person that he really looked up to. Mm-hmm. And I remember that to this day. So that's just a part of uh, when I was much younger. Wow. Hmm. And do you still know him? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so yeah, so so transitioning to that, when when we were talking at at G three, you you talked about how um you know you you were involved in 
in uh, in some drug use, uh, as well as also to being being arrested. Um, talk talk about uh, that for a moment. How how far was that from from ninth grade? It was around. I started getting into drugs uh, after my first year of college in High Point University, and I was 17 when I went to college, and so I was about 18 years old. I I got into drugs, well, hard drugs. I never really got into marijuana or anything like that until after this, but there was a time when this one kid had severe anxiety, and he had these pills all the time with him, and he would have to take them, and I didn't know what they really were for, and so friends and some friends of his, and we were all friends with him, but just to play a joke on him one night, we, it was, it's a terrible joke, but we, we, you know, we took some of his pills and he freaked out about it, but when, then we ended up taking them ourselves and hmm. they were clonopin. And so I took them that night and I was like a space cadet. Hmm. And so I'm just experiencing something I've never obviously experienced before and it felt good. And so there was sort of my taste of, uh, any sort of drug that that was that was heavy like mm. that and so i ended up leaving college that year well the next year because of bad behavior mm. and when i came home um, i left on medical leave because i was depressed i really got depressed i was abusing steroids when i was in uh when i was in college and it, it the hormones really messed with me uh, mentally and when I get, and I got very depressed, and when I got home, I was prescribed Xanax. Hmm. So when I got home, I got prescribed, and then I remember finishing the entire prescription within three or four days that wow. they gave it to me. I so I, I just immediately. I mean, I've always been the type of person that is all or nothing. I I overdo everything, hmm. and so when it came to drugs like that, I, I never thought that, you know, it would lead into addiction because it was just in little bursts, you know, hmm. that, once that ran out, I never really craved it after, but I would do it if it was offered. Hmm. And, and so eventually I started making it more of a habit. I, I was really abusing steroids. I was starting to sell steroids to make money. Okay. And, uh, that turned into me finding connections and uh, China and Pakistan and India. Wow. And yeah, and so I was on these forums hmm. when I was when I was younger, probably 19 or 20, and I stayed on these steroid forums and these drug forums for a while, making you know, gaining a reputation of just being knowledgeable, not even doing anything with it, hmm. but just being knowledgeable about this stuff. I just really wanted to learn about it, and so I did. And then eventually they gave me an opportunity to make my own product, you know, deliver my own product. And that turned into me finding so many connections with everything hmm. that eventually I had so many drugs around me in my possession that I started. Well, it first started out with me just taking it personally. And then I, I got so many, so, so many different kinds of drugs in such high quantity that I started just getting rid of it to people to to pay for my own habit because I could get more if for cheaper. Hmm. And then that turned into me making quite a bit of money. I made a lot of money and eventually bought a Hummer H2 in cash. So wow. I bought that when I was about 20 and 
my connections in, in other countries. And I had a connection down in Florida where this one man would go and take Oxycontin. He would, he would grit Oxycontin from the doctor's office. And it was called doctor shopping. What you would basically do is, is this got banned years ago. They would go in with a fake x-ray or just one x-ray to many different doctors and just get a prescription. And, and uh, there was a lot of corrupt doctors just making money off from this. They would get it for very cheap, and then the doctors apparently would sell it and, and ignore the fact that another doctor has sold them it. So they would get thousands and thousands for very, very cheap. And I ended up connecting with a guy, and he would send them to me. And that was from that was uh, the worst it ever got for me in terms of drugs. I started taking I, – I started out with some hydrocodone, and then eventually I started taking some Percocets, and then – when my friend, he his name's Chase. When my friend Chase, and he's passed now because of this, but my friend Chase got into Oxycontin, and one day he comes over to my home, and he offered me, it was an 80-milligram pill, and he paid around $80 for that one pill. Wow. And, wow. and because they go for about a milligram or a dollar a milligram on the street. So he comes over and he goes to split. I, I couldn't take it all. So he split it into about four pieces. I gave him money or I think I traded him some other drugs for it. <laughs> and so I took that and it lasted the entire day. It felt amazing. And it lasted for about four days. And then I bought another one. And I had never really taken drugs all day before, you know, throughout the entire day that, that long, about a week. And I remember about 10 days of doing this, I stopped and then I, I felt very sluggish and just very down, low energy. And I had a craving just to get more because I knew that it would take care of it and that I wouldn't feel like that anymore. And I didn't really think much of it. And so I bought another or I bought two more, you know, just to hold me over. And I figured I, I'd, it'd be fine. I wouldn't, you know, become addicted or anything. Because at that time, I was very obsessed with bodybuilding, and I didn't want anything to get in the way of bodybuilding because hmm. I was taking a lot of steroids at the time. So I figured that I'd be able to manage it. And then eventually, that turned into me getting thousands of those pills until the point where I would – I took 390 milligrams of Oxycontin in a single day. Whoa. It's probably the most wow. I ever took. Yeah, so I remember taking – I think it was 20-something pills of – of Percocet or a hydrocodone one day and, and throwing up in my car because of it. I remember at one point I was taking so many different drugs that I, I specifically to this day remember one day I was laying down on my couch and I thought that I was pretty sure I was going to die if I, you know, in my sleep because I had taken a bunch of Xanax, I had taken a bunch of ephedrine. So hmm. what I would do is I would take the Oxycontin and they would get me high, but then if you don't take a stimulant, you, you nod off. You, you, and so I didn't like to nod off. Some people like doing that. I didn't like it. So I'd take ephedrine huh. and it would keep me alert. And then the, the ephedrine would give me anxiety. So at night I would take Xanax bars. And so all this wow. is going on in my life. Obviously I'm very hardened to the Lord. I have, but I, I remember specifically driving down the road and, and, and I was always, I, I was just imagining being watched or that there was something beyond myself. And I would talk about this. I would talk about death so much that my friends a few years ago, when I saw them again for a while, 
after a while, they they mentioned how I used to always bring it up, death, huh. and, and and how you know we would that when we die, it's all black and everything like that. And so it was quite an experience. At that at that point, I'm I'm very very hardened to anything. I didn't want to hear about God, obviously. So I was making up whatever I could. And of course, I did acknowledge it because of Romans one says so that I did know I've always known that God exists. And so I would just harden myself to it. But eventually I got caught with the drugs that I was taking and getting rid of. And in 2010, I believe it was April, I I got arrested and I got arrested with about a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff and it's still in the paper. So it's one of those things that can be looked up on Google. So I had about a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff on me Hmm. and I got arrested and I went to court for about eight months, probably seven, eight months. I ended up selling my Hummer H2 to buy a lawyer and that ended up not really doing much for me, but it was attempted possession of a felony drug. They never really found me doing anything with it, but they found uh, a plenty in the hotel room that I was at. Hmm. And so I, I ended up going to jail eventually about eight months later. And I spent the entire, I spent the entire summer drinking. I didn't, I didn't want to do any drugs and get a fail a drug test. So I right. binge drank the entire summer. And so eventually I I go to jail and I'm not taking drugs, obviously, while I'm in there. And I I hear this one person talk about uh, how our thoughts, he he said there was this theory that there was uh, our thoughts go out to the universe and then it comes back to us and it manifests Hmm. to us. And, And so it materializes and I laughed at him and I thought it was kind of silly. Uh, actually one guy, when I was in solitary confinement for the first couple days, a guy handed me a Bible. He slid it under my, my cell and gave it to me and I never read it, but I still remember things like that. And still, I still remember, uh, the Lord reaching out and, and of course he, he didn't ordain me to come to faith until later on, but I did see the grace and the kindness there. Sure. And so when I get out for some reason, for whatever reason, I couldn't stop thinking about this guy telling me about our thoughts going out and then materializing. And so I obsessed over, I thought of everything in my life. I remember when I was younger, this one guy told me that if I kept my secrets to myself, that I would receive what I wished for. And I, I was probably 10 years old and I wanted a knife so bad for my mom, for my mom, for my birthday. But I was 10, so obviously you're not going to get a knife. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really so. wanted it. <laughs> you know? And so I really wanted a knife because I, well, I, I just wanted to go out and carve trees, and I wanted to feel like a man, I guess. I don't know. I wanted mm-hmm. to pretend I was going to go hunting. <laughs> and I, I just thought of it all the time, all day, every single day. I would obsess about it. And then on my, my birthday, I got this little tiny red Swiss Army knife that was, hmm. I don't know, they're, they're very, very tiny. And I could only use it in in you know, with supervision and things like that. But I remembered something like that. So obviously I'm just piecing together things just to, you know, bring myself to, to believe in this. And when I got out, uh, I have, you know, I'm thinking of these things and then 
like a fool, I I start while I'm being drug drug tested monthly. I I start taking Adderall, which I'm not supposed to take if I don't have a prescription for it, mm. and I could go right back into jail for it. And so I would take it and try to miss the the dates where I knew I was going to be tested with you know within a couple of days or a few days before I could take it and you know pass the drug test and. It happened a few times where I would go in and I'd pass the drug test and I'd be under severe anxiety because of it. But hmm. that, during that time, I started really abusing Adderall and I would stay up for about 48, 50 hours at wow. a time. Yeah. So it's, it seems like you have a very high tolerance for drugs. Yeah. 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 I think I did. Um, yeah. That's just one thing. I think, I think Jeff Durbin in his testimony one time talked about that, that he was able to like, use far more the amount of drugs than some of his friends when he was really into uh, obviously doing drugs out there in Las Vegas. And I think even Jimi Hendrix, too, has some sort of, like, people saying, like, yeah, that guy was able to take way more than all of us for some reason. Mm. Um, so it sounds like that's kind of the case with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, if you were to ask my friends, it would be. That was always just the strange part. I was the, I was the example. I remember the people that got me into drugs would – be blown away that within a few months I was taking more than them. But I think that has a lot to do with my personality. Just with anything I do, I, I I'm, I'm, I'm straight. I, I have the blinders on and that's what I'll do. And I won't do anything else. And I'll obsess about it. And I always want to do everything to the maximum. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so th that was definitely an issue. So this all ties into the experience that I eventually had when I, 100% believed without a doubt that there was such thing as as a God. So I, I was on my way home from New York at the end of 2011. So it's about 2012 and I'm on my way back. I, I went and visit without asking my probation officer to leave. I don't know why I shouldn't have done it, but I did it. And I, I go back and I'm, I'm visiting with my friends, but the entire time I'm there, I'm just abusing Adderall and I'm staying up and, I'm having these very strange experiences that I've never had in my life before. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm starting to I'm starting to think that I'm seeing things. Hmm. Uh, I'm starting to think that there's little shadow beings, and that there's such thing as demons. And for whatever reason, one entire day, I read Bible verses. I, I don't even know why. I didn't believe in God uh, or anything like that. But I sat down and I read Bible verses the entire day at a tanning salon wow. so that my friend worked there. So it was a few days after that, that I'm coming home. And I don't know if this is, I, I, I don't know if it's a demonic experience. I don't know if it's a hallucination, but I had sleep and I woke up and I'm driving in the car in the passenger seat or my friend's driving in the car. I'm in the passenger seat. And I look up in the sky, and there's this. I, I see this very, very strange vision of three pyramids. After I saw the world, the globe, hmm. being held in uh, a hand that seems like the devil's hand is exactly what it looked like. And this is as detailed as as anything. As as I was, if I were to be in front of you right now. And you could see all the details of my face. Everything was perfectly detailed. And so I'm, I'm not I'm not someone, I'm a cessationist, so I don't believe that I had any revelatory experience like that. Sure. I, I, I don't believe 
and things like that. But this experience, I don't know. That's why I don't say it. You know, it's either a demonic experience or it's a hallucination. But sure. uh, I, I see, you know, the, the world being held. I see all the continents on it. And then I see this Egyptian cat on top of it. And this is this is clear. This is happening in the sky. It's large. And I'm blown away. And then that disappears. And I see three pyramids. And then on the top of the pyramids, there's it looked like they started flooding out. And and I, I don't know what's going on, but then I see a face. And then there's a book. I see a big, huge book, and there's a cross on it. And then the person goes to open up the book, and a light hits his face and then passes through the back of his head. And these entities, these demons start coming out of the back of his head. And I know how crazy this sounds. So I don't, I, right. I usually don't share it with anybody because it is, it is strange. Yeah. And everybody who knows me knows that I don't have a view like this. Sure. I don't have. Yeah. You know? So just, yeah, just, so, a, just a follow-up question. I mean, were, were you on drugs at this? Cause you said, you know, it could have been a hallucination. It could have been, <laughs> you know, what, what was it? What, what do you, what do you think? I, to be honest, I, I, I've done a lot of drugs in my life and, I, I never did any hallucinogens. Okay. So it was either I was either under a tremendous amount of stress uh, from staying up so late all the time, or I, I don't know, I, I, I had sleep. The only thing I took that day was Adderall, which I only took, I think, like half of a 30 milligram pill. And so I'm not I'm not hallucinating from from any hallucinogens. And, and it all seems extremely real to me. And it wasn't the only time that I experienced this, mm-hmm. like things like this. So I, I don't know. I've prayed about it. I've prayed for years. And then I just kind of put it off as it, it served its purpose, at least in that time that it from that moment, I, I knew that there was such thing as a God. And I wanted to know whoever that was. I didn't know how to know him. But. I wanted to know after seeing that, after being totally convinced, I knew that there was obviously a greater meaning to life and that there's something after. So I was totally convinced of this and nobody could convince me otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so the vision goes on for a little bit longer, about, about 10 minutes and I get home and my mother thinks that I've had a stroke because I am totally out of it. But I didn't have a stroke. It was just a very, very strange experience. And for about a month, I started having these very, very strange experiences. And then my friend started experiencing them with me. Like he had the same exact sort of experiences. Huh. And the craziest part about it is, is I was starting to carry a Bible with me. This is about 2012. So I'm starting to carry a Bible with me. I, I don't believe, uh, you know anything that it really says or or i don't understand it right but i'm carrying it around with me i guess as like a relic Mm -hmm. i don't know something that would just get rid of spirits i don't know but that's what i was doing and so eventually i i don't know when it happened but i started veering away from that and i started getting more into the the law of attraction Mm -hmm. that whole whole ordeal and everything of that made sense to me. And so I, I get into the whole New Age movement 
and I start talking about it. I start learning as much as I possibly can about it. I'm thinking that I'm knowing God. I'm praying. In 2012, that year, in July, I've never not prayed since that day. I started praying in the name of Jesus Christ. And I didn't have saving faith at the time, so it's probably in vain. But since July 5th, 2012, I've never touched narcotics. I've never done things like that again. Uh-huh. I, I, it's been total sobriety. I've never drank. And I never, that never happened until I prayed. Now, I don't know. I think that was just God's mercy in, in that one area, particularly. Uh-huh. Uh, but it wasn't, I didn't have any saving faith at the time. So a couple years go by, a few years go by, and I'm really deep into the whole New Age movement. And I even have quite a bit of a following from it just because I, I suppose that they liked the way that I worded things and I could explain things in ways that they already knew, but it just sounded better. I don't know what it was, but people liked it. And, and then it was about 2015 that I, I think I saw an apologetics video from William Lane Craig. And I'm listening to it and I'm going through all of what he's saying and he's starting to refute all of my my beliefs, you know, my new age beliefs, just how they're inconsistent. They don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I, I can't, you know, in good conscience, I can't sit there and believe what I've believed, but I didn't know what else to believe. I just knew that whatever I did believe, it didn't make any sense. And I knew it had to make sense. So I'm obviously understanding that there is a God and eventually I had an interest in Jesus Christ. I believe that the Lord put that on my, my heart. I don't believe that was anything to do with me, but he reached out and revealed himself. And eventually, I don't know what one, what point it was, but I understood uh, the gospel mm-hmm. and the message of the gospel. And, and I, I repented and I put my faith in Jesus Christ in 2015. And at that point, I started experiencing a lot of just strange experiences in the very beginning. And those quickly went away. And ever since then, all of my my uh, all my friends that were in the whole New Age movement, they, they really hated me. They didn't like me. They rejected me because I wouldn't stop talking about Christ and in the beginning, I was I was listening to people like Jesse Duplantis <laughs> and, and Joseph Prince. You know, so, yeah, 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 yeah those so, guys. But I think that was just because I I was so uh, experiential based, right? Yeah, you know, and so I, I I don't know what it was, but there was just something about it. I don't know what it was. I can't tell you, but I just it didn't feel right. Just the way that he would he would talk about God, I was I just felt like maybe God should deserve more reverence than that, yeah. and. Eventually, I saw a video somebody posted online of Francis Chan with a rope. And I, I, I believe this is a pretty popular illustration that he has. But yeah. It's a, yeah. A, yeah. So the rope illustration, he uh, that convinced me. You know, that, that really hit home. And after that, I had to listen to everything that he did. I started veering away from those people, at least, you know, Jesse DePlanis, Joseph Prince, 
Yeah. Uh, Francis Chanzo, way bigger upgrade. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not even yeah, close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was it was pretty crazy. That, that kind of made sense. And then eventually I saw John Piper. It's funny you actually bring him up in the, the beginning of, uh, you know, the podcast. Mm, but yeah. Yeah, John Piper, I, I saw him with Francis Chan at some conference and they're explaining prayer and the way he explained prayer made no sense to me and I kind of rejected it and I was like, oh, you know, he was basically talking about predestination and and all these things. So I I didn't really, it didn't really make sense at all. It went right right over my head. Mm -hmm. But I did have a curiosity and the more I, you know, listened to that stuff, the more it made sense to me. And the more I studied scripture, the more these things became clear to me. And I remember going on a group page. I don't know what it was, but it was like 2015, probably 2016. And I, I asked someone, they said, you know, that we don't have free will and, you know, libertarian free will. Right. And I asked, you know, I, I think I brought up the Joshua verse. I forget what it, which one it is off the top of my head. But they always say, you know, choose to stay in whom you will serve. Uh-huh. I, I asked that and he blocked me. And I, I was genuinely actually curious. I wasn't trying to be argumentative. Mm. So, you know, but I understand now that he probably got asked that or he was probably trolled a lot. But, yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of a basic guideline of everything that happened. It was kind of a strange experience. It was, you know, much more experiences that I I could speak about, about the whole drug situation. But I I don't feel like it would be on the, you know, centered too much on the main topic, which is, you know, Jesus Christ uh, calling me out Uh of the world and giving me a love for him and Right. Yeah, that's uh that's definitely definitely a journey. So when what, around when did you come to reform theology and and embracing uh you know the doctrines of grace? What what were, what, were the, what was the journey kind of to that? Like pretty much what would yeah. what would lead you to G3? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It yeah, sounds like you yeah, you were hit with a lot no, of truth. Like, oh man. That that's I have more joy probably expressing that than anything else. Hmm. Um I don't know, it was 2016. I know that much in to be honest, I didn't really know any names of things. I didn't know certain names of doctrines. I didn't know the doctrines of grace. I didn't know what Calvinism was. I didn't know what Arminianism was. But I think I had this idea beforehand that that God does all the saving. And Amen. it's none of, you know, none of me. And that's because my experience shows that. I mean, I'm, I'm a professing atheist for all these years. I eventually... You know, and given some natural revelation, apart from just the natural revelation that we have already, well, I guess that would be kind of super. I don't know what it was, but but either way, you know, I I, I understand. And uh, then all of a sudden, I'm believing on Jesus Christ, and I'm madly, uh, I'm mad about it. You know, I'm crazy about it. I love I love Christ, and I'm just talking about Him, and I can't shut up, and there's no way to really stop me, and. And so my idea was I, I didn't, you know, conjure that up, mm-hmm. you know, by my human will. Right. Just so eventually I think I just heard, you know, the more I learned about Scripture, the more I kind of saw what someone told me, you know, about Tulip. Yeah. And total depravity totally made sense to me. 
Yes. It made perfect sense. I, as soon as I, when someone said that we were totally depraved, I had no quarrel with that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> at all. I, I understood how I was. I understood my experience. I mean, in the past, even just with a lot of my behaviors, I mean, growing up, things that I haven't mentioned, I was just always a problem child. That wasn't the first time I was ever arrested. I was a, arrested on a felony assault charge when I was like 18. And, and, and I was, I had this one girlfriend, I was terribly jealous and uh, uh, controlling and abusive and all these things, you know, and, and then I was always cruel to people and careless and right. all these things. So I, I knew my selfish ways. Mm-hmm. I was very, very, you know, acquainted with them. It's I almost, understood. It, it's almost like a light goes off, right? When you, when you find out that you are tr- <laughs> yeah. totally depraved yeah. and you look yeah. back at your life and he's like, yeah, that is totally <laughs> me. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. and I, you know, in my own testimony, it, it was the same thing, just looking back at myself and not understanding. Uh, even though I, I, I did grow up in a, a Christian home, I, I was lost as lost can be and didn't understand why I had all these evil desires and uh, uh, just bent away from God and, do, you know, and didn't understand it. And God just got a hold of yeah. me. And, yeah. and then I was like, yes, I am totally depraved. <laughs> Paul, you are totally right. This is me. Yeah. I've been running from God. Yeah. And and then you just realize yeah. that God just has to chase you down. And He and, does. And so. He does. Well, the, the verse that I opened up with, I opened it up for this very reason, uh, which is first, I mean, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. And, and there's a verse there that says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, and this is very important for our listeners, he gave the right to become children of God. That's right. So we didn't. Yeah. He is the yeah. one who gives us the right. And this is this was the linchpin for me, this yeah. verse, and in, into coming to the uh, hard truth, because I believe you know when we're saved, we all incline more to Arminianism than Calvinism. Mm-hmm. It, it takes it takes us to really study God's word to come to that. Yeah. But here, and I'll start here. He gave the right to become children of God. So He's the one who gives us the right. Who were born not of blood, which He's talking about of any bloodlines, any descent. So you know the Jews were commonly they commonly thought themselves to be uh, children of God, true children of God, because they were the chosen people, Israel. And uh, in here you have Jesus saying, no, it's not of blood. And then he goes on and says, nor of the will of the flesh. So not even our fleshly desires could give us the right to become children of God. Then he goes in and stacks it up here and says, nor of the will of man. So it's not even anything within our own will spiritually, uh, but it says, but of God. Uh, If that isn't a clear verse that should swipe the feet uh, out of your very man-centered view of that you could choose God. Mm. I don't know what you do to, to, with that kind of verse. I don't, I don't really know what you do with uh, <laughs> testimony like, you know, Josh here um, and many others, um, yeah. you know, th- th- that were completely on a different direction. And then Christ, you know, God calls us. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and I've shared this before in our earlier podcast uh, last year, just, uh, I mean, God broke me down. I was not looking for him. And I'm sure it's the same for you, Josh, right? Like you weren't looking Absolutely. for God. You were no. looking for and uh and man, how, when that happens, just just the Lord just overwhelming me. Just it's break, true it's break, true and, enlightenment. Yeah, and it breaking you down and crying like a little baby when it <laughs> when it happens. Yeah. And then you just I'm just like, Wow. It's yeah. 
Man. I, yeah, J- Josh, just to hand it back to you, is there anything else you, you, you would like to say on, on, on just that? Oh, no, not really. I mean, I mean, you know, just converting now. I mean, well, except for the only thing that I could think that I struggled with was uh, the limited atonement. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. at first, I think that's a lot of people struggle with in Tulip. Right. Yeah. You know, and so in that, you know, once I realized that God is all knowing from eternity past, and that there's only two ways that you can know something or, or, or to be all knowing is a, if you learn it or B, you decreed it, that it should pass, that it will pass. And so it does pass. Hmm. Um, if those are the only two options and one of them means that you, if you learn it, it means that prior to the learning, you didn't know it then you can't be all knowing from eternity past. Right. And so, God's foreknowledge or for love for people, particular knowledge, because he's always known people. He didn't say that, uh, you know, it, it, the foreknowledge is always about a person. He foreknew those people. He didn't foreknow just the events, but the people mm-hmm. that were always in his bosom. And so when I understood that God decrees what will pass, and that's why he knows every single thing that will ever pass, Yeah, the only option you have is that he selects those who will come to the faith yeah and jesus and then the i'm sorry go ahead josh sorry sorry no sorry yeah i was just gonna say that you you know just going online what you're saying i mean even jesus i mean when we read in john uh chapter 664 he says but there were some of you who do not believe for jesus knew from the beginning who they were yeah. who did not believe and who it was that would betray him and he was saying, for yeah. this reason, I had to say to them that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. What do I do with that Bible verse? And we're and and, and you know, ask Andy Stanley. Yeah, I'm kidding. Uh, no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I'm sure as we get into Scripture, I mean, uh, I have a Baptist background, but when I was reading my Bible as a new believer, these these words are slapping me in my face when when we're reading scripture and paying attention to words, to content, to like, hey, do you see that God, that Christ is doing the choosing? And I mean, yeah. I don't. Uh, so, yeah. And yeah. Um, Josh, during the, the time of your um, of you and your use of drugs, I mean, I, I've heard this from people who you know, are are ex-drug addicts in that through these drugs, I mean, you're obviously trying to fill a hole or a void that just can't be filled with these means. Um, How how true is that, looking back now, um, you know, now that you're saved? I mean, what what was going on with you, uh, just giving your analysis? Yeah, uh, it's absolutely true. I, I think that we all love our own happiness. I think every single human being loves his own happiness, and I think that's proper and uh, that we do because otherwise we wouldn't be able to enjoy God as our happiness. Everybody loves their own happiness and there's, you know, no corruption in that. There's, uh, there's corruption when your own happiness is confined to selfish means to just yourself and everything that serves you only. Sure. But when God's your, you know, he's what makes you happy and you love that happiness. Mm Mm-hmm that's in God, that's the only time that we can be complete. But so when I was obviously with uh, being heavily involved with all different kinds of drugs, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was seeking 
what everybody seeks is joy, pleasure. And I was obviously seeking it in the wrong spots and it was never, you know, it would never fulfill me. I think that's, I think I always knew that I ought to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, I ought to have a joy somewhere. Not that, that I'm always going to be happy or anything, but there's got to be a joy in something. And yeah, so I was always trying to fill that void and it just wouldn't happen. Right. That's the story with many of us. <laughs> yeah, the story in yeah, Romans yeah. 1, 2, and 3, right? Yeah. We, we replace uh, the creator with the creature. Right? Yeah. And we, and, yep. yeah so. my, my cousin who recently got saved, um, something that I think all three of us are going to laugh at when it comes out of my mouth, but I remember he said, Man, Omad, that's my middle name. And he goes, and my family calls me Omad. Um, and he goes, I'm being serious. I've never slept so well in my life. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it's just so true when you come into save when you come to saving faith in Christ, you just have this peace and this joy that you've always been searching for. We've yeah. mentioned here on this program, St. Augustine has a very awesome quote, and he says, uh, you know, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until we find uh, ourself in you. And I think that's just the that's just the journey of, of every testimony that eventually comes to saving faith in Christ. I mean, I was out, you know, pretty much just str- lost for years in, until I, I came to saving faith. And I could just share that experience with my cousin. And I laughed and I go, wow, that's very true. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, Josh, I don't know if you have anything to, to, to share before uh, anything else. Uh, we're coming up at the top of the hour of the podcast. I think that was a, a great first testimony for Bridge Radio. And, yeah, that was awesome. Uh, it was very interesting. Right. <laughs> Thank uh, you, Josh. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Just, I, I wanted to keep it really short. I mean, there was just so much. I mean, just to, but it wasn't really necessary. I really wanted to focus on, you know, the Lord calling me out of it, but out of the condition that I was in. Uh, you know, to give an understanding of that dark place that I was mm. and not knowing my way. And that's why I didn't have any joy. I, 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 I feared death because I had no idea where I was walking right. now. And I had no idea what was coming afterward. Mm-hmm. And now I do. And I know that he's sovereign and in control. We always like to end the program with with uh, with ending the gospel. We, we, we consider this the the most important aspect of, of, of our entire program, which is uh, the sharing of the gospel. So if you would, please. All right. Yeah. It's for anybody, really, that I would just like to say that every single person, every single person that's ever been created is is guilty of sin. We know we are. We fall short of the glory of God. Our consciences tell us so we know we've sinned against things that we know we shouldn't do and you will not be able to stand in front of god without being cast into hell and so jesus christ came from heaven born of a virgin god in the flesh and he lived the perfect life that we can't and he died the death for us and he rose three days later and there is no other name under heaven by which a man must be saved. And every single person who sincerely calls upon him and calls upon him will be saved. So that's all sinners that will sincerely call upon him. So I would like to urge anybody who understands that and is convinced that they are a sinner and that they have no hope except for Jesus Christ 
And if Jesus Christ is your only hope, then you will be saved and you have eternal life now and it can never be lost. So true Amen. gospel, true like. gospel. Amen. Yeah. yeah. One of the reasons why I wanted to, uh, to bring Joshua on was because, you know, I think we think we've all had friends who uh, are not only lost, but yeah. they're, they're them being lost. So encompassed by drug use and something that's very hard to get out of is drug addiction and and you're almost kind of like blinded yeah. by these drugs and you know i just i our prayer is here that whoever's listening especially if they're you know in drug use or you know that you know somebody's in drug use uh who who is listening uh to share it with them yeah. and uh you know we we have faith and we have absolute confidence that god uses these sort of sorts of means to bring people to himself and so just for the audience, you know, please, please like, uh, share it, share and, it. And, if, and, and for our audience, we have a war, worldwide audience. If you yes. guys have nobody to talk to, you can reach out to Bridge Ministries. Oh, yeah. Email me. You know who <laughs> Julio will. Bridgman at Hotmail. We'll call you. Gmail. We'll call you. Yeah. And talk to you. That's awesome, guys. You, you know, you know, and, and especially in parts of the world where people don't have people to talk to. We're yeah. here. Yeah, I we, just want to say are. that we're here yeah. and we'll reach out to you. Yeah, and Josh too. I'm I'm pretty sure Josh would be more than yeah. willing to, yeah. to talk Absolutely. with to talk with you and and, uh, and and help you with with any questions. He's a he's a good brother. I, I the moment I met him, I said, yeah, this is a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, I appreciate that. The so, Lord's good. Yeah, Amen, Amen. All right, guys. Well, that is the end of our program. Um, if you want to know what Bridge Ministries is about, what we do here. Please go to bridgebookstexas.org, hit the about slash give page. You could find all the information about us there. You could also listen to Bridge Ministries and find kind of the platforms where you could listen to that. But um, we are a ministry that's absolutely dedicated to discipling and equipping saints uh, in the Word of God, in the knowledge and truth of Christ. Um, Here at the ministry, we are a Reformed Christian bookstore and coffee shop. We hold Bible studies. Uh, we are a gospel outreach to not only our community but out into the nations. Just yeah. with this, with this, what we do here. Uh, so I would just like to ask uh, to prayerfully consider supporting us on a monthly basis. It allows us to do what we do here. Bring on guests such as uh, James White, John Frame, uh, Joel Beakey, Jeff Durbin, and, and a lot of these brothers here. We've we've gotten John to know Samson. John Sampson. I dear brother, I love John. He yeah, texted me the other day. Yeah, he's part of the ministry. We yeah, he is he's such a great teacher matt slick we've done uh, uh conferences as well we plan yeah. on doing um some conferences this year and, and, and maybe to get a uh, some some spanish content reformed spanish content yeah. and uh just these things um will be used as a means to proclaim the gospel and so i, I just hope that you would uh, partner up with us and, and just check out what our entire ministry is uh share share uh, bridge radio as well and uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next one. We also have another very interesting testimony that's coming up. Uh, I won't quite give uh, too much away, but it's two individuals who who were gang members in our community, Ooh, and that's, uh, awesome. that's a very interesting testimony. And I can't wait to have them actually in, in in studio. So anyway, guys, we will see you on the next podcast. As always, what is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong, body and soul, in life and death to my faithful savior jesus christ thank you and we'll see you on the next edition of bridge radio peace out later